Almighty God, be with us at this time that we may open ourselves to what you have to offer us and that we might be open to giving back to you. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have been in a, a wonderful adventure of exploration, of contemplating the Word of God this Lent. We have been thinking about the central idea, how is it that we might take up our cross, as Jesus asked us to do, and follow him? And the mode of contemplating how we take up a cross to follow Jesus is through the words that come from Jesus while he is on the cross. So we have already considered the matter of forgiveness. When Jesus says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, he opens to us the way of following him which involves our receiving forgiveness from God and our offering forgiveness to others. When we hear from Jesus addressing the thief on the cross who is on one side of him, we hear him say, today you will be with me in paradise. And so we look to Jesus in our own lifting of the cross to follow him and understand that he has offered to us deliverance from all that would stop us short and end our lives healing and liberation, salvation. We have heard already that Jesus compassionately looks down upon his mother at the foot of the cross and the disciple whom he loves, and he gives them to each other, behold your mother, behold your son. And we realize, as we heard last week from Father Wismer, that from the cross and in our carrying of the cross in our lives, relationship is opened longitudinally from ourselves to God and latitudinally from ourselves to others, to our neighbors, even to our enemies. Today we hear from the cross the short phrase, I thirst. And it opens to us that part of our lives, that part of our carrying of the cross that has to do with the reality of distress, the vulnerability that we have as human beings, the vulnerability of this world, of this population of human beings and of ourselves, even in our own situation, emotionally, circumstantially, personally, vulnerable to the distress that can come against us. Moreover, we see that Jesus on the cross experienced distress as a way of understanding that we are never alone in the distress that we experience. It's a matter of thirst, one of the worst kinds of 
personal, physical distress that we can encounter. I don't know if you have memorable experiences of thirst, of literal thirst. I have some, but there's one that I remember very dramatically because of everything that was involved and because of, of my age. I think I was 11 and I was pretty new to the Boy Scouts. We had been on campouts and hikes before, but this was a major hike and we had a good troop, but we ran into a problem on this hike. It was supposed to be 10 miles, but some wrong turn turned it into about a 17, 16 mile hike. And we had the canteen because we were prepared after all, but that canteen was depleted. And so we were looking for a way down to the stream. And we were hot, we were young, we were inexperienced and we were tired and we were very thirsty. We finally made it down. And we filled those canteens and then our patrol leader said, you can't drink it, we have these water purification tablets and you have to wait 30 minutes. Those 30 minutes were like delirious, weird fantasies about running to the stream and just drinking everything I could. And the 30 minutes, which seemed eternal, finally passed and we drank and we refilled and we repurified and on we went back. We made it. It was frightening. It was probably more frightening for the grown-ups but we made it. Well, that was dramatic. And the physical reality of actual thirst is dangerous. Uh, ask some of these experienced runners uh, what it is that happens when you get too far behind in a hot weekend race. Too far behind at rehydrating because of the, of the crazy way that, that uh, exhaustion and heat stroke can catch up and take you down so fast. So it's a matter of life and death, this thing of thirst. What we learn in the gospel today is that Jesus, being the God-man, the Theanthropos, really did experience thirst. He was walking and he made it to the well, Jacob's well. And it says he was leaning there against the side of the wall. It says he was tired out from his journey. And he said to the woman, give me some water. A long dialogue started up between this Samaritan woman and Jesus. But what I want to lift out of it, because you could do beautiful, wonderful study with all the details of this story, what I'd like to lift out is that there was the beginning of an opportunity for the woman to give Jesus water and for Jesus to give the woman water of another kind. And as happened with 
Nathaniel under the tree and Nicodemus when they were talking. So it happened here that they start in the confusion of the literal exchange and then they gradually progress toward realizing there is this spiritual implication of what Jesus is offering to them. It's the confusion of the woman starts when when he says, I, if you had asked me, I would have given you living water and you would never thirst again. And she starts very literally and saying, well, you, you've brought no bucket. I have this jar to drop down into this well and lift water out of the deep well. You've brought nothing. How are you going to give water? He moves her along to say this, this water is a water that will spring up within you and you will never thirst. She's still semi in the literal and she says, well, I'll take that. Uh, what, you know, I won't have to come here anymore. I'd like that. And then she begins to see that this is a message like no other because it's from a person like no other. So that's what we are here to see. To receive and to give. There is water that Christ wants us to have. And there is water that Christ wants us to give. What we have in the person of Jesus, no matter what part of his life we look at, and today we're looking at this conversation with a Samaritan woman, is that this is God who is truly human. And this is by God's own purpose that humanity and the Holy One would be reconciled and pulled together, unified. There is a solidarity, a sharing, an identification that God has been interested in making with us, not in some tangential way, but in a penetrating, thorough, complete way, identifying with us. One of the Orthodox theologians through the ages said, The Lord has become everything for you, and you must become everything for the Lord. Much more ancient from several of the early church theologians, we hear words like, The whole human reality, the whole man, would not have been saved unless he had taken upon himself the whole man. Even thirst, even pain, suffering, humiliation, abandonment, everything that we can endure and, and be, be distressed with God experienced 
personally. When Jesus is on the cross, he says, I thirst, and certainly. What has he been through? He has walked carrying a cross in the Palestinian desert in the spring, close to noon. And so the sweating itself would have him dehydrated, perhaps even to collapse. But he has also bled the flogging, the crown of thorns, the nails in his hands and his feet for hours on the cross. Of course, he utters, I thirst. But I bet you have considered that there's even more than one kind of thirst that he's describing. He has perhaps, I'm sure, never experienced the kind of thirsting that is our kind of thirst for God. For from the beginning, he has known this amazing relationship of unending unity with the Father. He has renewed it time and time again in his prayer to the Father. But here, having taken upon himself the whole of what we are, all of our brokenness, our sin, our estrangement from God, he is uttering because he is feeling, I'm thinking for the first time, the thirst which is separation from the divine. He's feeling what we feel when we are most frightened, feeling most alone, and wondering where is God. We'll press this further in a subsequent week when we consider his saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he thirsts in the physical way and in this spiritual way. What we need to know is that by his having experienced that, he offers to us, as he offered to the woman by the well, living water. So from this altar, from your union with God that you celebrate every day that you wake, we take our hard answers that we think we have that secure us, everything we know religiously and professionally and personally, and we say, wait, let me receive from you. And then he asks us, could you give me that drink? Yes, but how? when you participate in giving to others. You offer Jesus that drink. Like you, in this compassion project, I'm sure you've already experienced this. Jennifer and I begun, be, began a, a prayer relationship with a little girl from Honduras, Ana Raquel. And I'm hoping she gets our first letter soon. And I'm hoping that that letter is like a cup 
of cool water for her journey and her exploration and her growth and that that can continue for this sort of living water is something that we both receive and then witness as Christ gives to others with ourselves being the vessel. Will you receive and will you give?